We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the December 6th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek and I are here to talk about the week 14 games. And uh, you know when you have to rip, you, you, you sort of like, you have to eat your vegetables before the dessert when you're a kid to make sure you eat it? Jags Titans seems like a good place to start this week, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. There's not a lot to really like in this game. I was trying to come up with a narrative in my head that would lead the Jags to points, and the only paths I could come up with were, you know, like defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns, and then maybe Leonard Fournette coming off that one-week suspension and having that injury early in the season, giving him some time off, just being really fresh and effective with a crazy high volume of carries, like 30-plus carries for Fournette for 150 yards. Other than that, there is nothing that I really want to see in this game tonight. To- totally agree. Um, but that's a good, the good thing about Fournette is for a guy who works, who, who gets as much work as he does, coming off of th- you know the short week, you wouldn't have liked him as much probably. I mean, you're, it's not like you would bench him, but it was one of those things you go, oh man, the guy carried 28 times on Sunday. Now he's going to come back for a road game after three days. Well, 
since he's had the extra week off, that's, you know, probably good, good thing if you're a Fournette owner, I would think. So, yeah, rel- relatively speaking, I would agree. All right. Otherwise, in this game, playable Titans D, Corey Davis, that's about it, right? That should be the whole list. I mean, if you're in like a two tight end league or something, you can probably get Johnny Smith in there, but I don't want to play Mariota unless it's a super flex league either. And even in those leagues, I'd rather not. And the running backs, Henry or Deion Lewis, again, the overrunners about what, 37, 38, something like that. Lowest of the week. Yeah. All right. Ditch him. All right, folks. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Jay Halpin 37. You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL or find us on Facebook. All right, we're going to whip through the week 14 games uh, and try to do it a little more quickly than usual because sometimes we can run a little long on Thursdays. Ravens Chiefs is up first. So it looks like Lamar Jackson starts again. Here's the thing I don't understand about this game. So the Ravens have a good defense. It's not that I don't understand. We, we just got to figure out which, which path to take here. Over-under is 53, which is kind of high. It's not as high as some Chiefs games, but it's pretty high. Ravens have a good defense. So unless you think, and the spread is what, six and a half. So unless you think the Chiefs are going to blow them out and cover, if the implied point total is right and the over-under is right, for that, for, so the, meaning the implied total for both teams is right, then the Ravens are going to score more than they usually do. Right. And if they score more than they usually do, Lamar Jackson's probably a huge part of that. I mean, we haven't really seen him have week-to-week consistency with any of the pass catchers yet. We've seen some target volumes that are somewhat encouraging, but the catch rates are low. I think the problem that the Ravens run into in this game, John, is if the Chiefs do open up like a a 14-point lead in the first half and force the Ravens to be less balanced, that's when things could get out of control. But as long as that, that gap never opens up, I think the Ravens can hang around and at least at least keep it within the spread. I don't, I don't know if they can win outright at Arrowhead, but it is strange to see an over-under of 53 in a game with the Ravens involved because that defense looks legitimately like one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league right now. So, so does this make you, so if you think, it, if you look at this and say, all right, the Raiders are going to score 23-24, does it give you second thoughts about maybe trying to use one of the wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a slight round down on on most of the the passing games still. I, I just I don't I don't I don't see a lot of reason to be optimistic about the Ravens pass catchers and the Chiefs side. I mean, you're not going to do anything different with Tyreek Hill. If Travis Kelsey, you're using him, you're happy about it. You know, Mahomes is fine. Spencer Ware is a little tricky. I think Spencer Ware is kind of a flex play on the Chiefs side of this one. Like he's kind of one of those guys that if you picked him up and he wasn't a direct replacement for Kareem Hunt on your team you may have the luxury of better options to play ahead of him in this particular matchup. See, I like him in this. Even with the rough matchup with the Ravens, I like him. I think, I think I'm, I'm, going, I'm going right back to the well on Spencer Ware without hesitation here. Because you're expecting 18-plus touches? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think you're going to get that. I think the Chiefs are probably going to get close to 30 because they get that against everybody, and they're at home. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling that, oh, after last weekend with this matchup, maybe I need to you know, be wary. Wow, worry. Um, so, yeah, I'm rolling with <laughs> uh, Sammy Watkins, by the way, was limited in Wednesday's practice. So, at this point, we're recording a little after 10 o'clock. He's on Thursday. Your guess is as good as ours as to if he'll be back. All right, Colts, Texans. What's your – the last half dozen weeks or so, the Texans have been pretty strong against opposing wide receivers in terms of fantasy points allowed. What's your confidence level in T.Y. Hilton? It's okay. I mean, he – Played or played a pretty good game against them when he got hurt in week four, four for one, fifteen on six targets. He's just the kind of player that if the DBs make a mistake, 
he capitalizes. He's got that kind of game-changing speed still, even as he moves into the the later part of his 20s. And I, I think with, with Hilton, it just comes down to the health of his shoulder. He didn't practice Wednesday. He looked pretty banged up at the end of that Jags game on Sunday. So we'll see what happens Thursday and Friday with practice. But I think you're using Luck and Hilton just the way you normally would, uh, even though the Texans' defense is good. Marlon Mack appears to be fine as well. And then Eric Ebron with that target volume being up, I think is fairly safe this week. Well, this is a good bounce back opportunity for the Colts. We'll kind of see what they're made of having to go on the road again for a really important AFC South matchup that basically keeps them in the race if they win and gives the division to the Texans if they don't. Okay. Um, do, do you think what, last week Deshaun Watson finally threw more than 25 times? It had been a while. Do you think we get that again? I mean, the Colts, as far as matchup-wise, they're sort of a middle-of-the-road pass defense. So if you're looking at Watson, like, like how do you play this one with him? Watson is borderline matchup-proof because he just has a lot of ways to beat you. And I'm amazed he's been able to continue producing with lower attempts volumes without Will Fuller in these last right. few weeks. That's been the big surprise. They've been able to get good mileage, you know, mixing and matching Jordan Thomas at tight end, Demarius Thomas on the outside occasionally, and then doing the usual things with uh, DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. But uh, I, I have no reservations about Watson. I think the Colts are, are one of those up-tempo teams, so that could actually drive up the attempts a little bit too, even if this game uh, is, is close throughout or even if the Texans are protecting a lead throughout because the Colts play fast. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about Watson here. I've got him at QB12 and the Rotowire weekly projections have him at QB8. So they, I mean, they his, they're more his, with you than with me, I think. His best game of the year in terms of fantasy points was against the Colts on the road back in week four. Right. That's true. Um, what was this? I don't remember the score of that game off the top of my head, but we can look that up. Um, yeah, last, just an FYI. Last five weeks, points per game, Watson is 16th fantasy points per game. So, anyway. All right, let's go to the next one, Panthers-Browns. Um, this looks like a perfect matchup for David Njoku. Like, the numbers, you know, you look at, at the matchups every week. We do defense versus position. And, you know, the Panthers have been getting torched by tight ends. Last couple of weeks they didn't, but... Generally, they have. Joku, it seems like he was limited to practice Wednesday. He's got a knee injury. And it sounds like he's been, he's been struggling with that for a few weeks. So he's playing. And he, you know, he had that game against the good game against the, the Bengals where he did a, you know, try to jump over everybody and then get pushed in the end zone. Touchdown. Um, last week wasn't much for him. Looks like a great spot. You, I, I think I'm in on him as long as he's active. I think he's kind of like a, a if you've been streaming tight ends on the waiver wire. He's a guy I would stream in for this week because that matchup's so favorable. Uh, we haven't seen the crazy target volumes that we did back from like week four to week six when he had seven, 10, and 12. We haven't seen anything like that in the last six games. I think the injury has something to do with it. As long as that's still an issue, I think you're going to look at him as more of a five or six target guy. It comes down to whether or not he scores, most likely. I mean, he still has that big playability if he can get separation. Uh, so I look at this one, and yeah, I, I feel good about Njoku, but I would look at him as more of a tournament play if you're looking at DFS as opposed to like a cash game play because the target volume's been down for a while. I agree. Yeah, you can't get him to play him in a cash game because he's too up and down. Um, on the Brown side, 
Denzel Ward uh, did not practice Wednesday. He's in the concussion protocol. You're going to really need to watch that. That's going to affect the Panthers passing game, DJ Moore specifically. Um, Speaking of the Panthers passing game, so Cam Newton, I I talked about this with Tim on Monday. And actually, I think it was with Jake uh, on Tuesday. And and we need to talk about it again. So Cam Newton met the media uh, in Charlotte on Wednesday. And they talked about his shoulder. So last week, it, it, it becomes a bigger deal when, for the second time this season, he get pulled on Sunday. He got pulled for a hail mary because shoulders bothered him, and the deep the deep ball has not been in his arsenal so much this year. Um, apparently, the shoulders bothering Cam. Uh, you know, they asked him about surgery. He said, you know, he was kind of coy about it after the season. Uh, they asked the coach, you know, everything okay, and he said, "We'll see. We're not even at Friday yet." Cam's got a sore shoulder. Now, look, Cam's playing this Sunday, most likely. I would play him this Sunday if I owned him, most likely. What I said to Jake on Tuesday and, and what I heard yesterday from Cam and the Panthers does nothing to change my mind on this. If you are the type to roster one quarterback down the stretch, if you own Cam Newton, you should roster a second one. Yeah, you're going to want to get a backup. Um, maybe not for this week, but if the Panthers continue to slide yep. and a playoff berth kind of goes out the window in the next couple of weeks then the incentive to continue playing him goes away and you know having him undergo surgery start that recovery process sooner that might be on the table so i'm not worried about it totally wrecking his week to week output i mean he's got a career high completion percentage this year the short and intermediate passing game seems to be treating him well mm-hmm. when you have guys like christian mccaffrey dj moore and curtis samuel that can do a lot after the catch and you have several of them on the field together it's still really hard to defend Plus, Cam's still running the ball a good bit. So I, I think he's fine as a play. But you're right. You're just not looking at him as a lock to play each of these next three games, depending on how things break. I mean, do you think Carolina's in in fall apart mode? Or do you think they actually rally back and, and get a win here against Cleveland? I, ca- I can't figure them out right now. I, I picked them to lose. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I picked them to lose because they're just not playing well. And I kind of like the Browns. The way, the way they play at home. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think this is a... This could be a fairly closely matched game because the Panthers' defense is just not particularly good right now. So Yeah, I mean, the line, the line has it very close. I was actually yeah. kind of surprised when I saw it. I think the Browns are only two-point home underdogs. I thought it'd be more like four or five. Right. But, um, yeah, so if you had Cam, I agree with you. As a week-to-week play, if he's, if he's active, he's fine. But if you've been salivating over the matchups in weeks 15, 16 against the Saints and the Falcons, you know, you better hope he plays, but you better be prepared if he doesn't. Um, if you want to grab his backup, Taylor Heineke, I wouldn't do that. Case Keenum, I, I, I was going to say Case Keenum until yesterday as the backup because he's got some friendly matchups, but now with Sanders out, I don't know that I'd go that direction. I think I might try to go, I, I think I might try to go Josh Allen if I had Cam at this point. Yeah, I mean, the torn Achilles for Sanders suffered during practice is really unfortunate. It ends his season, bumps up the targets for Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. But I think that really hurts that Denver offense. I mean, as as good as Sutton is or will be, that's a huge blow. Sanders is playing really well this year. Yep. All right, Falcons Packers. Tell me what's going to happen with the the numbers would suggest Rodgers and Adams are going to feast, but the Packers have had an interesting week. What do you think is going to happen Sunday? They're going to feast because Atlanta's defense is banged up. I know you got Deion Jones back out there now, and that certainly helps, but I I don't have any reason to believe that they're going to come out and, and struggle or even do the exact same thing offensively, whether it's 
Rodgers making some adjustments or Philbin having some ideas that McCarthy was knocking down, I don't know. But you just get the sense that a weight has been lifted in Green Bay. And I don't mean I don't mean that as like a Mike McCarthy is a heavy man joke. I just mean that as a you could kind of tell like the players just knew something was not right with the system compared to what other teams do. And now there's going to be this little extra burst of energy. We've seen it before when teams fire a coach. You get this big rah-rah sort of performance for a week, and then things go back to normal. Like the flaws of the roster and the system as a whole will be apparent in weeks 15, 16, and 17. But I think they'll be less apparent in part because of this matchup and in part because of the emotional lift of McCarthy being gone. Do you like anybody else in the passing game besides Adams? Not really. I mean, Graham's still playing with that broken thumb. Uh, he's looked okay when they've thrown it to him. The target volume's been pretty light. Um, you know, I I think it's pretty much just Rodgers, Adams, and, and Aaron Jones this week. And that's the the McCarthy parting shot was Jamal Williams playing his highest snap share since Jones returned from his suspension. <laughs> that was a great way to go out, dude. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we done with Tevin Coleman? Um, this matchup's not terrible. I mean, I, I think Atlanta can move the ball against Green Bay's defense. I think that's that's a spot where Coleman could be okay. Kind of a under-the-radar GPP play, not a guy that you in season-long feel great about, so you're probably looking carefully at those those other flex options with Coleman, but I think the price is probably down enough on some DFS sites where you could think about him there. All right. Um, Tevin Coleman, by the way, last three games carries 8-8-6. Eight, eight, and six. Um, but you're right. Matchups better this week. So the last three weeks, I will say, you know, they played th- three really strong defenses. So run defenses. So that, that, that's a factor. Um, Saints Bucks. I don't get the Chris Godwin love this week. Like, okay, we've got him at wide receiver 27. And he was good last week. Uh, I feel like like, I don't know if I'd have Deshaun Jackson at wide receiver 27, even against the Saints. So I don't know why I'm going there with Chris Godwin. I just think it's a little aggressive. Do, do you agree or are you in? No, man. The Saints have given up 31.1 fantasy points per game in standard leagues to wide receivers. That's the most in the league by almost four full points per game. More than the Bucks, more than the 49ers, more than the Redskins, more than the Packers. All those bad defenses. Like so The Saints are, are, are strong up front they stop the run effectively and they can generate a good pass rush but when you when you give another team lots of shots at that secondary they're generally going to put up some big numbers tampa bay leans a lot more heavily towards the pass and the run anyway godwin with jackson out gets a few more targets i I think this is actually a great spot for chris godwin i think the hype is justified in this case okay um and the hype's always justified for adam humphreys because he's awesome so (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) michael thomas didn't practice wednesday for the saints could be a maintenance day but you want to keep an eye on that jets bills sam darnold expected to play uh isaiah crowell is a maybe he didn't practice wednesday so on the Bills side of this i read a stat this week that josh allen has started six games and in three of them he's been a top five fantasy quarterback and in the other three he's been qb 26 or worse so, feast or famine, folks. You playing him? Uh, I'm not playing him anywhere because I don't own him anywhere. But at what point do you get more comfortable throwing that tournament dart? I mean, it was fun when you could do it at less than 1% ownership. Now you might get him at like 5 or less, depending on how much of Bill's Mafia is, is getting into the uh, FanDuel and DraftKings 
lineups this week. But all, I'm, of Ke- I'm, all Kevin Payne's lineups have Josh Allen. So yeah, count how, how many how many lineups is Payne setting this week? I guess <laughs> is the is the real question. I I still don't want to rely on Allen. I mean, I, Zay Jones is getting work and and doing some things with his targets. That's nice, but it's still in an offense that I trust. So. Generally, right. no. I'm trying. To, I'm trying. Still trying to stay away from the Bills. All right. Um, with that said, last time the Bills played the Jets, which was in Week Ten, the Bills blew the Jets out. Lashawn McCoy, twenty-six for one thirteen and two on the ground. You're playing him at least, right? I mean, if you got him in season long and you've got Tevin Coleman in season long, I could see the case for playing McCoy instead. The touch volume's been more reliable week to week. Uh, I was surprised against Miami that McCoy didn't do more. I expected 18, 19, 20 yeah. touches. He got to 19, only had 64 yards from scrimmage. The game looked a lot like what he did against the Jags the week before, even though the matchup was much easier. Yep. So, yeah, if, if, if you have LaShawn McCoy on your roster and you're not playing him this week, why do you own him, basically? And congrats for being either in the playoffs or for still having something to play for this late if you've had LaShawn McCoy on your roster. All right, Pat's Dolphins. So uh, over the last six weeks, the Dolphins are tied for the worst, the most points given up to opposing fantasy running backs. Um, now you're starting Sony Michelle, but if you look at this, you look at the numbers, you say, whoa, great spot for Sony Michelle, except that there's also James White and Rex Burkhead, and oh my God, what do I do? No, it's awesome. They, um, they chopped up the snap, uh, split up, they split up the snaps in a way that was even more of a mess. I mean, Burkhead didn't play as much as people might think he played 23% of the snaps in his return against Minnesota. Uh, the James Devlin thing, you know, obviously that was pretty random. So if, if, if one of those TDs goes to Sony Michelle, we're looking at his week against Minnesota a bit differently. I think if you were going to play a Patriots running back, Sony Michelle's that guy. I think the problem is that Burkhead just makes James white really hard to use. Yep, because he takes some of the some of the targets away, and as long as Gordon and Gronk and Edelman are all healthy too, that pie is not as big right now. Like if you start losing some of those other pass catchers, then maybe you get the occasional week where both White and Burkhead go off. But I think when they're at full health, it's easier to avoid White and Burkhead when they're kind of sharing that role. Speaking of Josh Gordon, so Gronk's been back for what two weeks. And Josh Gordon's got a total of eight targets. This is a bummer. Because it looked it like he was going to explode. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are you, where, where do you, I'm going to see where we have him here. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you, I'm not going to say I don't know how you start him. It's just, it's frustrating. Like, I don't know how you, I mean, we have him at wide receiver 17. That's, that's a, that's tough. With the amount of volume he's gotten since Gronk's got back, that's tough to me. He might see a lot of Xavier Howard on the yeah. outside, too. So that, that could make his matchup pretty difficult. Uh, I've been on Gordon these last two weeks, so I've been coming up short uh, points-wise in those matchups. I mean, it, it's just it's one of those things where he, he, I think he had an almost TD two weeks ago against the Jets. And mm-hmm. if you put that on the ledger, then the output looks different, even though that target volume has been low. Like the right. per-target numbers are still really good for Josh Gordon. So you just have to trust that he can score or make a big play to kind of prop up that yardage total. If you're throwing him out there again this week, he's probably more of like a 20 to 25 range receiver for me, a little lower than where the the company rankings have him. 
All right. I don't like any dolphins, by the way. I mean, I can see a place where you have to, but I don't really like any of them. It's weird how close they always seem to play the Patriots at home, though. Right. That just messes with my head. I just don't expect that. I think I have my highest one. Yeah, I have Drake at running back 33. So, yeah. Um, all right, Rams-Bears. Trubisky looks like he's playing. Are you rolling with him if you own him? Um, it'd be looking at the alternatives carefully. This game would project to be a pretty nice shootout opportunity for the Bears if you assume the Rams can find ways to break down the Bears' defense as good as that defense is, which I tend to err on the side of Sean McVay finding ways to score points and the Bears having to play some catch-up. Over-unders at 51.5. Bears are only three-point underdogs. That line certainly looks like Vegas expects Trubisky to play. Yep. And in that setup, he's probably 12th, 14th among quarterbacks this week. So right on that bubble where it just comes down to who you have as the, the backup option. Okay. Um, and and the, the Rams have got – so the last two weeks, Tariq Cohen has been used a lot. And when you have a guy like that and he's playing well, you think you would keep using him. But I wonder, do, do you, how much of that do you think was a function of the, let's say, leaning a little more toward dink and dunk with Chase Daniel? I think some of that is definitely a shorter passing game. I think a guy like Allen Robinson becomes more interesting with Trubisky back in the fold. So I wouldn't say that you have to necessarily move away from Cohen in season long, but I just think you have to be a little more careful with him, with Trubisky back, because they can kind of go back to how they were functioning before Thanksgiving now that he's healthy again. Okay. Uh, as far as the Rams go, you said you're you basically you lean toward Sean McVay finding a way to score points. Even against the Bears defense at Chicago, does, is there any pause of any of the usual Rams for you? No. I, I think they just they, they consolidate production so well between Gurley, Cooks, and Robert Woods where I, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, I think if you're reducing anything, it's some of the secondary pieces in the offense just because they may not get to run as many plays. You know, that that's the kind of thing that could get scaled back. But no, nah, I don't have any specific Rams that I'm afraid of because of their individual matchups here against the Bears defense. OK, Giants Redskins. Mark Sanchez starts for the Redskins. Is this so? So there, I mean, you don't want to use the Redskins wide receivers anyway, generally. So it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, whoa, what does, what does this mean for Josh Doxson? Like who in most formats, who cares? I, I, it makes me lean against them if I'm, you know, digging 50 wide receivers deep or I'm in a league that makes me do it. But what about Jordan Reed? What, is this, what do you think this does for him? Hey, it's not good. Um, I, I don't like any of the pass catchers for Washington this week. I think the matchup is actually somewhat difficult. I mean, a couple of things that help Washington, you know, Damon Harrison being traded several weeks ago has made the Giants a pretty bad run defense and Landon Collins being hurt, probably out. I don't know if I've seen a confirmation on that He's yet. He's out injured reserve, right? I think so. They put him on IR yesterday. Yep. At one point, they were kind of making it seem like he might play through it a little longer, but he's a pending free agent. He should have the surgery and try to just get as healthy as possible. Anyway, so those things kind of make this matchup a little easier, but I don't trust Mark Sanchez at all. I don't like these weapons, even with Jamison Crowder back out there. I don't really see anybody on the Washington side that I want to trust. I mean, Adrian Peterson looks like he's set up pretty well because I think Washington's defense is good enough 
to keep the Giants from just opening up a monster lead and forcing them to play Chris Thompson a lot more than they ordinarily would. All right. So how much do you like the Giants defense with Sanchez playing? Probably like a top 10 defense. I got one for you. Ready? Yeah. Giants or Bears? I'd actually rather play the Giants defense Mm -hmm. this week, I think, if I could make that choice. Me too, which sounds weird. but Yeah, it's really weird because the Bears, I mean, the Bears defense is the defense that a lot of playoff teams have because it's been just better than the other ones by several points per week. Right. Broncos, Niners, we talked about Emmanuel Sanders and the effect on the other receivers. I think you probably want to start Sutton if you got him. I don't think I'd be so aggressive in in most formats to start Deshaun Hamilton if I had him. A couple of 49ers have been very popular on the free agent pool this week. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Jeff Wilson going to get a lot of touches, look kind of useful after Matt Breida got hurt. Dante Pettis in the passing game. I Sutton even kind of worries me a little bit. Like, yeah, the, the targets might go up, but he's probably going to see a lot more Richard Sherman. Maybe he's going to see a lot of Sherman anyway because Sanders runs a good number of his routes out of the slot. But, yeah, I'm a little worried about Cortland Sutton drawing more attention, drawing better corners now with this Emmanuel Sanders injury. Right. I can't find Jeff Wilson in the uh, in the weekly. Oh, he's 20th. Okay, he's RB20. So he can catch the ball, it looks like. So I said, I have a friend who did, who's, he got, his league has a new fab budget for the playoffs. He spent his entire $100 budget on Jeff Wilson. That's an interesting choice. This is the fun of December fantasy football right here. Well, he had Brita. So he's kind of said, what else am I going to do with it? Jalen Samuels wasn't available, available in that league, Jaylen I guess. Jalen Samuels was not available, no. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Um, Bengals Chargers. Melvin Gordon did not practice Wednesday. So we're looking at the Eckler-Jackson thing. Now, after Sunday night, the Eckler-Jackson duo becomes more interesting. Jackson looked really good. Eckler kind of didn't. Eckler's a smaller guy. This could be a blowout, which could... This projects to be a blowout, which you would think factors in a bit here. Okay, let me ask you first. If you had to pick between these two guys, I don't know how many fantasy owners would... Who do you like better? I think it's still Eckler. Uh, there's a, a clearer pass-catching role for him. Anytime you've got two backs with uncertain workload, that's the first thing I'm looking at. Is, is there one guy who's more likely to be on the field in those situations? Now, the Chargers might be up a lot in this game. This could be a complete blowout. Both backs could be productive. Both could get double-digit carries. Both could be five-plus yards per carry against that Bengals defense. They've been a horrible defense against the run. They've been the most generous to opposing running backs all season long. So I like Eckler better than Jackson, but in a lot of leagues, I'm legitimately wondering if Jackson is a good flex play this week because of the way this matchup sets up. Yeah, we have him. The Rotowire projections have him at running back 44. I think you and I both disagree with, probably disagree with that. Um, I actually have him in fishbowl. So... Right now, I have him on my bench. I have Chubb, Cohen, and Johnson ahead of him at running back. Yeah, that's right. You should have those guys ahead of him. But now I go to, this is a half-point PPR, right? So right now, do I go with Justin Jackson or Bruce Ellington? Justin Jackson. Yeah. 
Sammy Watkins. What if Watkins is active? Mm, in that matchup, I'd, I'd probably still go Justin Jackson, but that, that's pretty close. All right. But yeah, I, I think Justin Jackson, like if, if this is a blowout, Justin Jackson could get pretty busy. And it's hard to predict that. Like you, you don't want to, it's hard to get into the game of predicting garbage time, you know? But we might have it here. I think if it's a 60-40 overall touch split that favors Eckler, 40% of the workload against the Bengals' defense when you're in the Chargers' offense is actually a good play in this matchup. Probably true. I think I agree. That's really sound logic right there. All right. The other thing, Joe Mixon was limited Wednesday. Um, foot injury, I think. So keep an eye on Joe Mixon. Um, Lions-Cardinals. How in the world are the Lions favored at Arizona? I don't know. <laughs> like they should be favored over anyone on the road. How in the world did the Cardinals go into Lambeau and win last week? Yeah, I know. So yeah, I don't get this. I, I saw this line. I mean, most weeks I kind of look and I go, oh, you know, the Vegas people know what they're doing. I looked. I was like, what? what are you kidding me? I think like, it's a pick 'em. I, I, I think it's. I think it should be an even line. Like I, I don't think home field advantage for these two teams even matters. Yeah. So it's just a straight pick 'em. Whether it, it, game in Detroit, game in Arizona, game in an actual neutral location, pick them between these two teams because I, I don't think there's anything that really separates them. All right. So one stat to know here, past handful of weeks here, because I'm sorting the wrong way, the Cardinals have given up since week eight, the Cardinals have given up more fantasy points per game to opposing running backs than anyone. And in walks LeGarrette Blunt again, because Kerryon Johnson's probably out. But we have this problem with LeGarrette Blunt. The last two weeks, we talked about him. I was right the first week and wrong the second week. And the reason is basically touchdown, because he's very touchdown dependent. Even if he carries the ball 15 times, he's probably going to get like 55 yards. And if he doesn't get a touchdown, it's a waste of your time. So he's a hard guy to play. Mm-hmm. I don't right. like him. You're saying, of course, he's a hard guy to play. I've been telling you this for a long time. That's what you're saying to me, basically. He's, with that, he's, he's the only the only time I'm interested in the Garrett Blunt yeah, are situations like Thanksgiving where we get this weird small slate, and because of injuries, he's going to get that little bump up in workload. The price is crazy low for that workload, and it's like a contrarian play. Yeah. In like any sort of season long context, it is the ultimate desperation play to have to use LeGarrette Blunt at this point. I think I agree with you. Uh, the Lions have also been pretty leaky against opposing running backs. Uh, so your David Johnson shares probably, probably looks like a good week for your David Johnson owners if you, if you made the playoffs and he didn't kill you along the way. Um, so if you're listening, you have. Uh, the other one in this game, so we talked about Karrion Johnson probably being out again. Kenny Galladay, a little banged up, was limited in practice Wednesday. Also, more importantly, draws Patrick Peterson. So not great. Right there. You're playing him if you have him, right? Uh, probably. I mean, you're playing him over Chris Godwin, right? I am. Yes. I mean, he's the man. He's, he's you know, way, way more likely to... like hey, Kenny Galladay doubling Chris Godwin's target volume seems a likely outcome to me. Yeah, Kenny Galladay has had at least a 22% target share each of the last four games, 24% against the Rams. That was with uh, Keep Tlaib back last week, right? So they still still threw the ball a lot to Bruce Ellington because the Lions are the Lions, but um, not a great matchup for Galladay. Definitely in leagues where you start two receivers, two and a flex, maybe in those leagues you have something on your bench that is a better play this week. All right, Eagles-Cowboys. 
Uh, Josh Adams limited with a shoulder injury on Wednesday. Watch that one because he's got. I, he should be fine. He's also surpassed 20 carries in each of the last two games. I know this isn't the greatest matchup, but I think you got to go that way. Um, so the Cowboys' four-game winning streak started against at, in Philly on, uh, I think, a Sunday night a few weeks back. Dak played pretty well there. Are, are, you, are you in on Dak this week again against the Eagles? Yeah, because that secondary is still really banged up. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a matchup that, Pretty much any quarterback who's at least league average can go out there and put up above average numbers because things have just fallen apart for them physically in that uh, that side of their defense. So I, I I do like Dak this week. I think he's inside the top ten at the quarterback position. Okay, what about the cow? What about the Eagles receivers? It looks like the, the guy who's who you gotta hate right now, or you gotta hate to want to use, is Alshon Jeffrey because you, you don't know what you're gonna get out of him right now. Like it seems like last week. Golden Tate kind of, st- you know, he, he's become more involved to Jeffrey's, you know, to, to his detriment. The Cowboys, another one. I mean, I'm cherry picking the dates, but the last six weeks, the Cowboys have been the second best team in terms of points allowed against opposing fantasy receivers. I think you got to lean away from Alshon Jeffrey if you've got decent options here, right? Are we to believe that Alshon Jeffrey maybe saw the most Josh Norman of the receivers last week and we'll see a lot of Byron Jones on the outside this week. You would think. I mean, like, know, is he getting the tough matchups and that's just opening things up for Tate and Ertz and Aguilar? For, for Tate and Ertz, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, and you know, why would, if, if Jones is chasing someone on the outside, it's not going to be Aguilar and he's not probably not going into the slot. Right. Right. And, and Tate moves around quite a bit. I think Jeffrey might even move around too. I got to look at the distribution, but I just I just wonder if opposing teams are trying to put their best corner on Jeffrey and the Eagles are counter adjusting and saying, well, we got a plenty of other good players to throw to. So we're going to back off Elshon Jeffrey. That's, right. that's to me at least a plausible explanation as to why that production has been so light for these last five games. Some tough schedules in there too. I mean, Jacksonville, Dallas, I guess Washington's been giving up a lot on the outside, but the Giants' pass defense hasn't been that bad. The Saints, the Saints game was a total debacle for the entire offense. That right. was the one where it's like, yeah, whatever. Maybe you saw a lot of Marshawn Lattimore, but still, teams beat the Saints' pass defense, and the Eagles just were horrible in that game. So some of it's schedule. Some of it could be just individual matchups. Um, according to the player pages here, it's it's hard to, the, the way we have it told here, it's hard to tell what Tate's breakdown is since he's been on the Eagles, but Jeffrey has spent about, looks like f- 35% of his time in the slot. So, um, you know, then, and Tate's spending that time in the slot now. So uh, there you go. But you're right, Jeff, Jeffrey getting chased on the outside by a guy like Byron Jones seems like a, yeah, that, that, that makes me say no thanks if I, if I have a reasonable alternative. Steelers Raiders. All right, so the great, do, you, do you like the movie A Christmas Story? Of course I do. I love, I, in, in my, the voice of Gene Shepard, the narrator, the, the Jalen Samuels affair, as it came to be known. <laughs> people have been complaining about that guy all week. Uh, for background, who do, people who don't know, Jalen Samuels has tight end eligibility in addition to running back eligibility on Yahoo. People are freaking out, even though he's been that way all season. I think this is a whole lot of nothing. I mean, it could affect some games, sure. But as far as how this game works, the Steelers are talking about a split between Samuels and Stephen Ridley. Do you, how many touches, if you had to pick a number off the top of your head, how many touches does Jalen Samuels get? 15? Yeah. 
With five of them being catches, probably, because he's a good receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his college stats, he caught the ball more than he ran it, I think, or as much as he ran it. Right. So, and if, if, you were, if, you were, if you're mad about him being listed as a tight end now, you clearly weren't paying attention back in August and September when people were pointing out, hey, one of the backup running backs in Pittsburgh is also listed as a tight end. Right. So you, you, don't, you don't get to swoop in now that he's got a role and complain about this. Right. Sorry. Someone benefited. Someone, someone f- had the foresight to do it. I mean, as James Conner... Like with, with Le'Veon Bell's season being officially over a few weeks ago, if you weren't looking at the player pool to see who the Steelers' backup running back was and if he was available in your league, you were failing as a fantasy owner <laughs> just by not even looking to see who it was. And then if you had been looking, you would have noticed on Yahoo, oh, that's weird, running back, comma, tight end. I don't usually see that. Right. It is what it is. That's what he, that's, that's, they, they kind of drafted him as this funky hybrid player coming out of NC State. All right, so, it. so if you... What about Ridley, from what we're hearing? Now that he's in the mix here, are, are, are you buying this? I mean, you know, again, it's a deeper league. A 12-team league, you're not starting Stephen Ridley at a flex, most likely. But, like, what would it take for you? Where, where does he kind of fit in the running back rankings, approximately? Somewhere near LeGarrette Blunt. <laughs> he's not as good as LeGarrette Blunt. No, he's going to get fewer carries than Blunt. So, you know, behind LeGarrette Blunt? I, yes, behind, right behind LeGarrette Blunt? All right. Probably. We have met we're running back 41. Would you rather play Stephen Ridley or Derrick Henry? Name off the top of my head Derrick Henry. Okay. Like, I, th- I, I look at Stephen Ridley and I go, eh. Unless it's a big blowout, I'm thinking like eight carries. Yeah, they've given him 44 carries in nine games over the last two seasons. Right. Okay. Uh, also, if you are ranking tight ends and Jalen Samuels is on your list, what tight ends play ahead of Jalen Samuels? It's a short list. I mean, mm-hmm. it has to be. Like, but how short? I mean, that's the like, like. Okay, if you own Eric Ebron and you picked up Jalen Samuels and you have the option to play with tight end, who's playing? That's probably close to where the line is. I think Kelsey Ertz. I want to say, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's just Kelsey and Ertz that are ahead of Samuels at tight end this week. See, I said that earlier in the week, but right now I have Samuels behind Kittle and Ebron as well. Either way, we're talking, we're talking about him as a top five tight end. Right. So you're probably starting him in most situations. Yes. Most people don't have one of those. I mean, top could you four imagine? It's, it's so, I mean, you have to. You, you can't get set in your ways at this point in the season. Can you imagine sitting there going into a playoff game, fantasy football playoff game, going, all right, so I'm going to bench Gronk and play Jalen Samuels. Like, it's a, it's a, but yeah, I think you would. I would. You have to look at the way they're being used by their respective teams in these respective matchups. And going up against the Raiders right now is a gift. Yep. All right. Um, the other thing, Jordy had a big week last week. You buying it or is it a fluke? Uh, I mean, he gets targets, <laughs> so. Well, not every week. Last week he did. It, it's strange. Like, I don't know. 10, 10 of 11 targets, so 97 yards. That was just a lot of garbage time, right? Like, they were just trying. Well, that game didn't get as out of hand as people no, thought, it though. it didn't. Hmm. I'm not buying I guess it. I, I really haven't thought much about the Jordy Nelson last week, but 
he had three catches in his previous four games combined. Right. And, and it's not nine that he wasn't in his playing. last six. <laughs> right. Right. He, he, was, he was out there. He was playing snaps, 40 plus snaps in all those games. Right, I don't I don't see it. I, I don't see any compelling reason to, to use him. Monday night Viking Seahawks. Who gets the short straw and draws Xavier Rhodes? Uh, let's see. That's probably Tyler Lockett. Yeah. And that's not a good role for Tyler Lockett. Featured, no, I'm playing, I'm playing featured target receiver, Lockett. not a good role for Tyler Lockett. Okay, I, would, I wouldn't think you'd want him on David Moore. You, don't, or you just don't need to do that. And Baldwin plays a lot of the slot. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Tyler Lockett. All right. Um, food for thought there. Uh, the other thing, so, so the, the defenses versus position kind of stuff. It says it, they would say to avoid Cousins. If you just look at it, the raw numbers, it would say it would suggest avoiding Cousins. But I mean, Goff and Rodgers have both had big games at Seattle. So by a good quarterback, now I know that Cousins is not quite at that level. Um, are are you like is Cousins more toward the outside or the inside this week for you? He'd be. Let's see. I mentioned a quarterback earlier that I had just inside the top. It was Mitchell Trubisky. I was saying was kind of like top ten, top twelve. Yep. I'd rather play Trubisky than Cousins, but they're probably right next to each other for me. That's kind of like where we'd have a toss up. Okay. And um, the Adam Thielen thing has kind of slowed down a bit. I mean, he got a touchdown last week, but past four games or so, it has not been great with him. The numbers have slowed noticeably i mean you're playing him but i don't know i guess he couldn't get 100 yards a game forever right yeah he can't he can't, can't get 100 yards a game every game all season I, I don't really understand why that lions game in week nine turned out that way he got hurt though right he only played 45 snaps he usually plays like 60 plus so mm-hmm. maybe the injury just knocked him out and that's that's why the target volume didn't get up to double digits but Still getting plenty of opportunities. Uh, not having a monster game against the Patriots. Not a huge surprise. We've seen top receivers go into New England before and, and get shut down. I think he'll end up being fine this week against Seattle. I'm not really worried about it. All right. And I'm hoping this is finally the Dalvin Cook smash week because we keep waiting for it. It just hasn't maybe. happened. Maybe. maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It could be. All right. What else you got going? Uh, a lot of XM duty covering for Jeff throughout the week. He's got baseball projections, and I've got a DraftKings article I still have to write. That'll go up probably sometime tonight, like after dinner on the East Coast, I would guess. Awesome. All right, folks, listeners to the podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Folks, if you like the podcast, please leave reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek and I will be back on Friday afternoon to cover the latest news, injuries, all that stuff. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.